Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast I Network. It up. I'm an asshole. I know it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Let's take that again. <laughs> What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Levin Black. Levin, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, I get to spend it at work, but that's all right. You know it by now. I get fed pretty well. Yes. So for- it's not the worst thing, but I am hitting the road right away on Friday. So Okay, so for anyone that doesn't know, Levin has to work holidays a lot of the time. But the good thing is that usually when he has to work a holiday, you get like a feast. Like you have had like steaks and lobster and everything. What are you going to have this year? Do you already know? Uh, Yeah, they got ribeyes. Nice. Plural? There's, like you're going to get more than one? <laughs> no, because I'm working one day. There's there's six. Well, okay, let me put it this way. Uh, There is two, three packs of ribeyes. and one of the three packs of ribeyes weighs four pounds. <laughs> I will be having like a 20 something ounce ribeye. There you go. See that? I mean, look, if you got to work on Thanksgiving, that's that helps a little bit. I used to love to work on Thanksgiving back in the day because I always used to work on a morning show. So you'd have to wake up early. Yeah. But you come in, you work almost a full day. And then I was always able to leave by like noon, one o'clock. So I didn't miss any Thanksgiving stuff because that's usually when my family was starting to do their their event so i got to work a whole day i got paid double time because it was a holiday and i didn't miss any thanksgiving stuff it was always awesome i was i always to sign up to work thanksgiving what thanksgiving stuff do you do doesn't your family do a lasagna for one and for two you hate pie that's true i don't like pie we do lasagna and turkey and everything else the lasagna is the addition we don't take anything away oh okay that, yeah. that that's different but the, the pie thing i mean that you're just I don't even know how to describe you. Not liking any kind of handsome, pie. smart, uh, funny. No, see, you can't be that smart because you're doing a podcast with me. Well, that is true. <laughs> we have a lot to get to on this show today because the Niners are coming off a big win on Monday Night Football, heading into a Saints game on a short week. There's a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo talk. We even got a little Trey Lance talk yesterday, which was kind of surprising. We can get into all that. Uh, so let's let's dive right in. We'll start with Jimmy Garoppolo. And by the way, I didn't mention this earlier, and I should have. Rate, review, follow the Niners Nation podcast. We haven't had a review in a little while, people. Come on, help us out. If you take the time to leave it, I promise I'll make Levin read it on the show. That's my new promise to you. Let's put him to work. Um, okay, let's get to Jimmy Garoppolo. There was a lot of conversation about him. Kyle and Akash spent a big part of yesterday's show talking about is Jimmy Garoppolo going to make the Pro Bowl in the NFC? And what I have said about Jimmy is I think he's doing the same stuff he has done. The only difference is this year he has been much better at not putting the ball in harm's way. That, to me, is really the only real difference in Jimmy's play so far in 2022. Do you agree with that, or do you think I'm shortchanging it? I would say I mostly agree with that. And I think you can take it a step further. Nothing really changed until Christian McCaffrey showed up. Because, yeah, he hasn't thrown an interception in three games. Well, who's been here for three games? <laughs> and that means he had three interceptions in, what, five starts prior to that? So that's pretty much on par for him there. You know, that puts him on pace for, what, about 
uh, 12, 13 on a season. So he, he was his normal self. It's just now, instead of the situation of, oh, crap, I might get hit. I don't want to get injured. Let me get rid of it. Let's just throw it over the middle. Pray it's open. It's, oh, crap, I'm going to get hit. I'm just going to dump it off to Christian McCaffrey. And guess what? It's working. <laughs> it's working beautifully. That, that's the thing. That's all that needs to happen. Like, yes, he's not a bad quarterback. He was just an above average quarterback prone to really dumb interceptions that were backbreaking, which made him overall an average quarterback. Well, if you take away those really dumb interceptions and turnovers, you get an above average quarterback. And for the people that say like, oh, he's throwing deeper, more, whatever. I saw some numbers from Next Gen Stats about Monday and about the season in general. First on Monday, Jimmy's average intended air yards. What do you think it was in the game? 3.5? 5.7. And his average completed air yards was 3.5. So again, he's still throwing the ball short. 71% of his passing yards in the game came after the catch. And 63% of Garoppolo's passing yards on the year are due to yards after catch. That is the highest percentage in the NFL. And I don't mean to say all this to poop on Jimmy Garoppolo. That's not my thing at all. It's smart that he is doing this. That's what the Niners' whole team is geared toward toward yards after catch. But that's what Jimmy does. That's what he has always done in San Francisco. And so, again, that's fine. It's just not different. That's my only point. It, it comes down to the degree of difficulty. Is he smart to take advantage of this team's yak abilities? Absolutely. Is he pretty good at hitting guys in stride most of the time, especially on those short passes like screens when it's really important? Yes, he is. Is that something that you want to count on and say, hey, this guy's good because he has really good yak players? No, because your quarterback needs to be able to stand on their own. And in the playoffs, there will come a time when – he has to make the play himself. That's the question. And that that's the that's the thing there. Like the degree of difficulty is not the same as say a Jalen Hurts out there, you know? And that matters when it gets down to the playoffs. I saw some numbers and I, I gave them to Kyle and Akash yesterday to go back to your point about Christian McCaffrey. It has been night and day since he got there. They were averaging 18 points a game before Christian McCaffrey. Now they're averaging 28 and a half points a game. Their percentage on third down before Christian McCaffrey, they were converting 41% of third downs. With Christian McCaffrey, 55% of third downs are being converted. And Jimmy Garoppolo, all his numbers, way better with McCaffrey on the field versus off the field. Completion percentage with CMC, 79%. Yards per attempt with Christian McCaffrey, 9.2 and a 7 to 0 touchdown to interception ratio with Christian McCaffrey. He has been everything the Niners could have hoped for when they traded for him, when he has the ball in his hand, when he doesn't have the ball in his hand, opening things up for other people. It has been a perfect addition, and I feel way better about the trade now than I did when they first made it because I did not realize that his effect was going to be this powerful. I think Kyle Shanahan kind of figured something out there on that third drive and certainly throughout the first half where he, he kind of 
had the stars finally align of exactly how to do this. And that was run with Christian McCaffrey. If the run gets stopped, dump it off to Christian McCaffrey on early downs. (laughs) And because you're doing short passes and runs with Christian McCaffrey, eventually, after a drive or two of that, the defense is going to react and say, all right, we're going to come down and we're going to start cheating shallow. And then guess what opened up? Ayuk deeper opened up. You had some Debo plays on the outside away from Christian McCaffrey that opened up. You had the Kittle open up. Like it opened up the rest of the passing game because the defense had to come down to make sure Christian McCaffrey can't get an easy six, seven, eight yards on a dump off. I think because of that, at some point, they're going to get him deep on one of those wheel routes, almost like Tony Pollard did this week for the Cowboys. I can see that happening at some point. But I thought this was really interesting. And to me, it was. I feel like every once in a while, Kyle will give you like an FU drive to the defense when he's feeling really good. So the Niners passed on 14 of their last 15 plays in the first half. They only ran the ball seven times in the entire first half. That's the second lowest ever for Kyle Shanahan. And then on the first drive of the third quarter, they run the ball seven times in eight plays, finishing with the Debo 39-yard touchdown. To me, that was Kyle saying, FU Cliff Kingsbury. Enough of this. We are running you off the field. You are not in our class. And I just thought it was brilliant by Shanahan because it was the complete opposite of what they had done in the first half. It was also a different uh, change of run game philosophy, in my opinion. I think he saw that in the first half, the outside run was not there. Mm -hmm. And in the second half, in the beginning of that drive, it was run up the middle, run up the middle, run up the middle. I think at one point they had four straight plays that were runs between the tackles. And that was kind of like a punch right to Arizona's jaw saying, we're going to run right through you and it's up to you to stop us. And I mean, I don't even have to say it. Some of the Cardinals players said in the post game that they quit, that the effort wasn't there at the end. Like this team definitely has an effort problem. And even though he didn't play yesterday, it begins and ends with the leader. And that's Kyler McCur- uh, Murray. And he didn't go back in the game in the playoffs. I think that's where you you get to start. When the quarterback won't go back in at the end of a huge game just because it's a blowout, that really affects the ability of the team to kind of dig deep when they need to dig deep. Yeah, they do not have this sort of intestinal fortitude, let's call it, as the 49ers. And how about Mooney Ward <laughs> calling out DeAndre Hopkins after the game, calling him steroid boy, Hopkins, of course, was trying to get under the 49ers skin, ended up getting a taunting penalty. I feel like we've seen that from the Niners a few times. The Niners keep their cool in different situations, and the other team doesn't. And the Niners are actually the ones that get under people's skin, whether it's Fred Warner or Mooney Ward or Jimmy Ward sometimes. The Niners are a very poised football team, and I think that's going to serve them well going forward, and especially uh, if they make the playoffs. I mean, the defense is kind of like the, the perfect storm to piss you off if you're an offensive player because they're really good, and that's frustrating. They got tons of swagger. They talk it, back it up, and they're extremely physical. So they're trying to manhandle you and embarrass you. So it's like all of the things that get you worked up and riled up. So the moment you get a play that worked and you got a first down or whatever, you want to rub it in their face. 
And that's really what happened with Hopkins. And as soon as he did it, I saw the ref there and I, I did the, I was the Leonardo DiCaprio meme pointing at the TV, like taunting <laughs> and then bam, they threw the flag three plays later. Jimmy Ward intercepted it. And three plays after that, George Kittle scored a touchdown. Here is my question about the offense. And I think the answer to this question will tell us a lot about the rest of the season for the Niners. Does Christian McCaffrey raise the floor of the offense? And what I mean by that is against the Chargers, they didn't have a great offensive night, but they scored 22 points. Is a is a sort of so-so to bad offensive night for the 49ers, let's say 22, 25 points a game, rather than what we saw earlier in the season, 10 to 14 points a game. To specifically answer what you asked, yes, he raises the floor, but I also think it's been raised in recent weeks in another way, and that's Eli Mitchell. And we saw that in the previous game. If Christian McCaffrey is getting so focused on he can't get the get it done running the ball, boom, here comes a fresh Eli Mitchell. He'll get the run game going. So you kind of have this two-way ability with the run game. And what do we know about the 49ers? If they're able to find success with the run game, it's game over. And because they have two options, two very, very good, verifiable starting quality, pro I would argue Pro Bowl quality running backs, they are almost definitely going to have some success with the run game, enough to where the offense has a very uh, high floor. If they can score, if their floor is 22 to 25 points a game, they're going to the playoffs and they're going maybe deep in the playoffs. With this defense, as long as the defense you know doesn't completely collapse, because I can't picture a lot of games where a defense is going to allow more than 25 points. If they ain't playing the Chiefs, I don't know that it's going to happen the rest of the regular season. Right. The only thing that's going to stop this defense is, well, we know. And uh, you can knock on wood right now. <laughs> you don't even want to say the word. Yeah. Well, there, I think there's one player in particular that if he goes down, it might not actually be who you're thinking of right now. But uh, if he goes down, they, they just they don't have the guns anymore. To Sean Gibson? <laughs> no? No. It's in the <laughs> secondary. If Mooney Ward goes down, they don't have enough. It'd be dicey. outside DBs to to take it. You know, if Ufongo goes down, they can move Jimmy Ward back up there. You know, they got other options. Boza, if he goes down, the defensive line's still getting plenty of pressure. Uh, I think they could get enough to keep the defense afloat. It just wouldn't be a dominant defense anymore. But if Mooney Ward goes down, there's just not enough options there. They're already down somebody, and the other pieces just I don't think are good enough at that so position. I hope that the offensive floor is raised. If only if for nothing else, just for entertainment value watching the game. But also, I think that part of the reason that the floor would be higher for the offense is because if Jimmy is not turning the ball over, Kyle's going to get them down the field to field goal range. Like almost every almost every drive, it seems like. Uh, I, I which, think you can sum it up pretty simply. If the offense doesn't turn the ball over, the Niners got about a 95% chance of winning the game just on that. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is like 14 and 0 in his last 14 games when he doesn't throw an interception, something like that. It's uh, it's crazy what this team can be. Yeah, 14 and 0. Um, so the other thing I saw was a tweet from Grant Cohn, who tweeted that the Niners have averaged about 30 points a game against the NFC West this year, but only 19.3 points a game against the rest of the NFL. Is that concerning to you, or do you not care? I don't care. Uh, small sample sizes at this point and what do we know about the nfc west 
they got really good. bad records. The, the division is record-wise one of the worst in the NFL. And if you look at the defenses, the Niners are a really good defense. All the other defenses are mediocre at best. The Rams are having a terrible season. The Cardinals are below average, I would say, on defense, and the Seahawks are average at this point. You know, they started out really bad, and they've gotten better as the season goes, but overall they're they're pretty average. They're nothing to write home about. So it's not surprising that they would put up more points. It's just so refreshing to watch the offense now. I feel so much more positive about things. And I love, like you pointed out, Christian McCaffrey early, Elijah Mitchell late. I think that's that's a good way to go. Stick with that. It seems to be working right now. You know what's the most fun? And I don't know if this has changed for you, but it has definitely changed for me. You have said in the past, you know, when the play starts to break down, you can tell it's not going by design. Jamie's about to add lib. What have you always said? You're going, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. As soon as the ball's thrown, you're going, oh, crap. That's changed for me because now when that happens, I'm going, find Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> and he does. He's learned that lesson. So, like, it, it's taken away that dread in my mind of, oh, no, the play's breaking down. Here we go. I think that that was part of the reason that Kittle got open for his first touchdown. Because if you go back and look at the play, first, the Cardinals only rush three. Everybody rushes past the quarterback, which is a no-no on the defensive line, but good for for Jimmy for stepping up and taking advantage of it. But if you look, it looks like Jimmy might run for the first down, but Christian McCaffrey is also right there. And to me, the defenders come forward because they want to stop Jimmy from checking it down to McCaffrey. Kittle goes deep, which allowed him to get open for the touchdown. So, like, we've talked about the whole checkdown thing and the effect of that. I think part of the reason that that touchdown to George happened is because Jimmy has been so effective at finding Christian later in the down. Right. So the defenders that were closest to Jimmy came up because they wanted to prevent him from getting the first down. I think it was, what, like four yards to go or something? So Three or four, yeah. They, they couldn't let him run because he was going to easily get the first down if they let him run. So they started to come off and come up to get Jimmy Garoppolo which then you saw Buda Baker came flying down because he thought it was about to get dumped off to Christian McCaffrey. And instead, his man, George Kittle, broke deep. And that's why that happened. It was so refreshing. And it was refreshing to see Kittle get the damn ball. Like, yes, the Cardinals are bad against tight ends. Let's use this really good tight end that we have in order to hurt them. And they did. And and you said it earlier. By the way, why are they bad against tight ends if Buda Baker is so good? I don't know. Just saying. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, the, the, my, from my perspective, it's great. Um, I just lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? You cut me off and I had a beautiful... Oh, oh, yes, I remember what it was now. You mentioned it earlier. The tackling or lack thereof on Kittle's second touchdown. I have seen that very few times in all my years of watching football there's three guys there and all they got to do is push him on the shoulder and he's going to go out of bounds and they don't even try to touch him he was surprised that he scored on that play Uh, i think cliff uh, has one game left if they lose this week he's out he just got an extension the the players are literally talking about how the team is quitting how long can you go with this they going back to last year they they're they're what Four and 12 in their last 16? Something like that. Yeah, in that ballpark. Yeah. Five and so 12. Like, something. You can't allow this to continue. At some point, you got to start to make the change for the future. And by the way, yes, Cliff got a new deal. 
I was looking at that earlier in the year. I can't remember the source. Somebody wrote up that there was language in that deal where it's not kind of it's not really a normal deal, and they're able to get out of most of it. Hmm. Like it, it's not a normal coach's deal where they're going to owe a ton of money if they fire him. They'll owe some money, but it, it's not quite the same. It had something like if he was around next year, then all of it kicks in. And keep your eye on that because there was a report earlier today or earlier on Wednesday. I'm trying to find it really quick. Ah, yes. Jeremy Fowler and Dan Graziano from ESPN said that there's two jobs that Sean Payton has his eye on when he comes back to coach next year. One is the Chargers and the other is the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I don't like the Saints or anyone connected to the Saints, and that includes Sean Payton. But Sean Payton can coach circles around Cliff Kingsbury. And I do not like the idea of him teaming up with Kyler Murray in Arizona. So I want them to keep Cliff around. I do not need another good coach in this division. We already have Pete Carroll and we already have Sean McVay. Can I just say that I I think there's one overriding reason Cliff got an extension. And if he's around next year, it will be confirmation of that. I think in order to get Kyler to sign, they had to sign Cliff. Because I think Kyler likes Kingsbury because Kingsbury is his biggest fan. I don't. Sometimes it seems like they don't get along. I don't know. I know, but that does. Who, who else is going to be putting up with Kyler's BS? No. A lot of coaches would have really turned the media on Kyler by now. Cliff protects him in a lot of ways. I, I, I do think that there's a very good possibility that Cliff got an extension because they had to in order to get Kyler to extend. All right, let's stop talking about the Cardinals. They're losers. They got destroyed last week in a way that will always make me feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. Let's take a break. When we come back, got a little bit of Trey Lance news. Debo Samuel, I thought, had a very interesting social media post that I want to get your take on, and we'll get into the Saints game a little bit as well. Back here on the Gold Standard Podcast. All right, Levin. Trey Lance became an issue on Wednesday, not in a bad way. John Lynch was on KMBR this week and was asked whether or not Trey Lance could come back and play this season because there was that footage that came out of him walking around Mexico City. And if if I don't know if anyone remembers, but in September, there was an ankle and a foot surgeon who actually consults with the Rams who said that Trey Lance would be fully healed in 10 to 12 weeks after his injury. So this has sort of come up before and the Niners have downplayed it. Kyle Shanahan specifically said in September Trey Lance is not going to come back and play this season. John Lynch was on KMBR this week. He said he doesn't think it's a possibility. And Kyle Shanahan also said in his press conference that things would have to be pretty chaotic, I think was his exact quote, and that he has not been told that there's a chance that Trey Lance can come back and play. Your thoughts? I think the only possibility that he would be added to the active roster is if Late in the season, they've clinched the playoffs and Jimmy Garoppolo has a for sure season-ending injury. At that point, I think they would say, hmm, can Trey get back? Would he have a little more risk of re-injuring, but only a little, and thus it's worth it? Because at that point, I think they would. Because remember, teams have to set their 53-man roster at the start of the playoffs. Or is it 55 now, I think. Um, At the start of the playoffs, and if you're not on it, you can't be added later. So if Trey's not added at the start of the playoffs and Jimmy Garoppolo has a season-ending injury in, say, wild card weekend or whatever, 
but the Niners win, they can't then all of a sudden activate him. So I, I think it would have to be something, you know, week 16, 17, 18, Jimmy Garoppolo has a serious injury, but the team's already in the playoffs and they say, well, it's probably worth the risk. Let's see what he can do. It would be unbelievable just from a story standpoint. So, you know, I wrote something for NinersNation.com that's going to come out early this morning. And I just, you know, just to look at it, just it's fun to see, right? If you look 10 to 12 weeks, you're like, man, that would be the Miami game would be 12 weeks after the injury. If you want to say he needs another month of rehab after that. Okay. That puts the start of the playoffs. That puts him back before week 18. If you really, if you literally count out the weeks, he'd be back in time to play in that Cardinals game. And wouldn't it be amazing, Levin? If the Niners had the playoff spot locked up and Kyle wanted to rest everybody, and instead of Brock Purdy against the Cardinals in a meaningless game, it was Trey Lance at home against the team that he made his debut against, it would be freaking amazing. Yeah, but it's not happening. So I'm not going to sit there and fantasize about it. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Look, I'm not putting anything past this team, all right? I didn't think Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be back. Who knows with this team? You can't count anything out. But, you know, I thought Kyle's saying, well, it'd have to be pretty chaotic. I mean, aren't we one hit away to Jimmy Garoppolo from from things being from chaos? Yeah. Like, so I don't know. I'm not rooting for... I should, I'm not rooting for Jimmy Garoppolo to get hurt. I would love for Trey Lance to get to the point where he actually could come back and play just because I want him to be healthy. Um, but just the fact that it came up, I, you know, I was fantasizing about it a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, you live in Connecticut. You never leave. You got to fantasize about things sometimes. Oh, God. I mean, Connecticut stinks. <laughs> don't get me wrong. At least uh, you missed that snowstorm. That's true. One one thing I did want to say about Trey that I have a great appreciation for, and we talked about it in the past, but it, it sort of bubbled up this week because Zach Wilson, who was taking one pick before Trey Lance, just led his offense to a three-point performance against the Patriots in a game the Jets lost because they gave up a punt return late in the game for a touchdown and they lost 10-3. to After the game, Zach Wilson was asked, do you feel like you let the defense down? He had a one-word response, and that word was no. After that, Multiple Jets players on social media were liking posts that were dragging Zach Wilson, calling Zach Wilson out. Everybody's talked about how much of an issue it was. He's now lost the starting job in New York. And it just made me grateful that Trey Lance, from a maturity standpoint, has this thing all figured out. From the the second Trey Lance got to the podium, you could see he was all about leadership, all about taking responsibility and you just never have to worry about that part of it with him. And this whole saga with Wilson kind of made me grateful for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I've said it on Twitter twice now. Zach Wilson, to me, has that spoiled brat syndrome. He's always been the golden child, never faced adversity. He was always dominant when he played. Now he's facing adversity. You know, the only adversity he really had was his mom's friend said no to him before this like (laughs) like he he's just he's never faced this and you could see that with his comments alleged i should say comments that are being reported uh i guess maybe salah yeah salah actually said it to the media Mm -hmm. they asked what was wilson's comments uh, when you told him he's being benched and he said you know why now i want to play why me like why you 
because you're sucking that's why like <laughs> have some self-recognition look in the freaking mirror and realize why and say i'm sorry i let you down i'm gonna fix it and instead he says why me i totally agree and look he's still a very young person he has time to mature and maybe he will mature and that happens to a lot of us i know i'm a lot more mature now than i was when i was 22 23 years old but I was grateful that Trey Lance is already there. And I was also grateful maybe that the, the Jets drafted Zach Wilson because I was hearing that really Wilson was the guy that Shanahan loved coming out of the draft. And I, I do wonder if if he was available and Trey was available, is maybe Zach Wilson in a 49er uniform. I mean, Zach, Zach Wilson could be wearing a Carolina Panther uniform next year with the way they yeah, that's <laughs> run <true>. their franchise. <laughs> so... Anyway, get well soon, Trey. Um, I would love to see him back on the field. We talked about it at the time. At least the good news from the injury standpoint is he's not going to miss a whole offseason of development. He's going to be yeah. healthy in the offseason. He's not going to be rehabbing over the offseason. So that is good because that that does make a big difference. And Kyle said today, and, and he's talked about Trey's in all the meetings. He's, he's doing all that stuff. He's doing everything but the on-field stuff. So for all the people that said that he needed another year to sit behind Jimmy Garoppolo, he's still getting that. Yeah. He's been in every meeting except for one. He missed one day of meetings and then joined the meetings from, if I'm not mistaken, his hospital bed <laughs> after the surgery. So, yeah, that's friggin' fantastic. Okay. Let's get to this Debo Samuel social media post that I saw. Uh, it was this afternoon. And if anybody remembers or happened to listen to the interview that I did with Debo, I specifically asked him on the Niners bye week what his recruiting pitch for Odell Beckham Jr. would be. And he declined to make one. He said, that's not for me to do. That's for the higher ups to decide. He had a perfect opportunity. I put it on a T for him and he chose not to do it. Well, Debo on Instagram today, quote, everybody around me, family, we don't do recruiting. So to me, Levin, it just reiterates once again, he does not want Odell Beckham Jr. He does not care about Odell Beckham Jr. And he is not going out of his way to get Odell Beckham Jr. And I just thought that was a very interesting post by Debo. Especially after what Dak said. I don't know right. if you saw that, but Dak said, I told OBJ, he knows how much I want him here. The, yeah, they, I mean, the <laughs> so Cowboys like pol- are begging. polar him. opposite, yeah. Cowboys are begging and the Niners are saying, and we don't need you. If you want to come here, you can you can ride our coattails. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was really interesting. And and I'm trying to see now if any other Niners are liking the post. Because I wonder if that's an attitude that's shared by, you know, specifically the receivers in that room, Ayuk, Jawan Jennings, who would be, of course, directly affected by Debo Samuel signing I mean, it there. could be a team philosophy. We just saw Indomitian Sue say that it came down to the 49ers and, and the Eagles. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the 49ers were basically like, come here if you want. We would like to have you, but they left it at that. You know, they didn't say, oh, we need you. You, you know, who knows? 49ers are not thirsty for Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, I just, I just thought that was interesting. And look, I get it. Like the vibes are good with the Niners now. Everybody's rolling. That's fine. I know a lot of people on social media were saying, like, it'd be cool to have Odell, but if the Niners are going to invest resources, they would rather see it in a defensive tackle or a defensive back. And look, they tried. They tried to get in Dominican Sue. I think they recognized that that would be an area they'd like to shore up. 
but uh, no recruiting happening with the Niners. I mean, look how they treated Debo in the offseason. <laughs> oh, you demanded a trade? That's nice. We'll talk <laughs> to you in a couple months when we sign See you in July. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last point I want to get to, and this is something that Akash and KP talked about yesterday that really I hadn't thought about until they brought it up, and shame on me because I think they're a thousand percent right. This game against the Saints on Sunday has all the makings of a trap game. It's a short week. They're coming back from Mexico City. Kyle said in his press conference yesterday that the Niners are trying to do everything they can to sort of let the players' bodies recover. They're pushing. They gave them an extra day off. They're pushing practice times. They're doing all that stuff. And after New Orleans in week 13, who do we have? The Miami Dolphins. The the prodigal son returns, right? Mike McDaniel's coming in. Raheem Mostert's coming in. Jeff Wilson's coming in. Wes Welker, who used to coach the Niners receivers, is coming. All that extra stuff, right? Then you know Kyle Shanahan wants to win that game because of all the crap people talked about how Mike McDaniel was the true brains behind everything. All of that. That is looming, Levin. The combination of all those factors, to me, makes this a huge trap game this week. All right. First off, yes, it is a trap game. Uh, And I think it's one the Niners need to win. If they win this week, I think that division title is all but one. You know, they win this week, even if they lose uh, two out of the next three, because they got, you know, the Dolphins, the Buccaneers, and then the Seahawks. They could lose two out of those three. They still finish with the Commanders, Raiders, and Cardinals, which means losing two out of three. They win this week. They should be able to win those last three. They finish five and two from this point. That's 11 and six. That's going to get you the division title. Probably the number three seed, maybe the two seed this year with the whole NFC kind of being in a one big pot other than the Eagles. Um, but that that's what it means to me. Like get to seven and four, and then you got yourself a little bit of wiggle room mm-hmm. with the schedule. If you drop this game, you're six and five. You need to win all but one of these last games if you want that division title. Maybe you could get away at 10 and seven and win on a tiebreaker in the division, but you certainly don't want to have to count on that. I agree. And I, especially if you want the number two seed, which I think is, is realistic for the 49ers. I really do. Cause I do not believe in the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, they are very much a paper tiger. I know they're eight and two. They just got their doors blown off by the Cowboys. They got to play a very tough Patriots defense coming up a very tough jets defense coming up. They still have another game against the Packers a game against the giants. Like, I'm not going to just assume that Minnesota is going to coast the rest of the way. And if they come back to earth a little bit and the Niners handle their business, they could get the two seed, which would be huge, Levin, because then you got to come to Levi's in the playoffs. Yeah, you got to come to Levi. I mean, you'd still, it's one extra home game, is all that means. Because there's only one team that gets the bye week now. Right. So you get one extra home game compared to the three seed if you. We still win the division, but you have a worse record than the Vikings and the Eagles. Um, but I, I do want to make the second point when you were talking about the Dolphins, because I think it's going to be a much bigger story next week. But the Dolphins have kind of an unfair advantage in two different two different players have an, give them an unfair advantage. They got Jeff Wilson. He was on this team. He knows exactly what Kyle's game plans are this year. He knows what this team wants to do. And then they got Bradley Chubb. He was part of that Broncos team that played against the Niners already. Both of those, they got an offensive and a defensive player that know the Niners, and I think that's going to be a much bigger storyline 
coming next week that the Dolphins kind of have an inside view of exactly what the Niners want to do. Well, I feel like Mike McDaniel has a pretty good idea of what the Niners want to do. He was Kyle's yeah, yeah, right-hand but, man. I mean, for... it, it, things do change season to season, but like Jeff Wilson knows exactly what they wanted to do with Trey Lance, what they got rid of when Trey Lance got hurt, and the parts of the the new wrinkles of the offense for this season that they kept even with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like He's got a real inside knowledge, and then Bradley Chubb has gone against this offense. That was the game that Jimmy Garoppolo played like crap in. Like He knows what they did to make Jimmy Garoppolo not play well. Yeah. I mean, the game is on film, so <laughs> I don't think that's as big a deal as you think it is. But I'm, I've been saying this. I said it to Kay Adams. I'll tell it to anybody. The Dolphins game is the least important game in that stretch for the 49ers because it's an AFC game. And you, if you're the Niners, yeah, obviously you want them to win all of them. But if I got to pick a game in the next four for the 49ers to lose, it's that game. I don't want them losing to New Orleans. I don't want them losing to Tampa Bay. And you definitely don't want them losing to Seattle on Thursday night because, you know, that maybe potentially puts the division back in play. And no, 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 no. Don't get caught up in that in that noise from the outside. Who cares? The Niners lose to Miami. Great. Everyone gets a week to talk about how Mike McDaniel was the real brains of the operation and blah, 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 whatever. All that stuff is meaningless. But I think people are going to have their eye on that game. I think the players are going to have their eye on that game. And Kyle talked about trying to prevent a trap game yesterday, which every coach says. We'll see how they actually come out and play. Remember, when they had that big win against the Saints in 2019, the next week, who did they play? They played the Atlanta Falcons. And they lost that game because they were coming off the big emotional win in New Orleans. So we have seen it happen before with this core of players. And they already have the built-in excuse. Kyle already said it. I delayed practice because we got in so late. (laughs) Like, oh, great. So you're going off script already. Well, I but the good news for the I get why he did it. It's just like that's already starting this trend of, oh, it was a weird week. (laughs) The good news is like, they don't have to play at their best to beat the saints. Like yeah, they the, could, the saints, they're not, they're not as good as last year. They should be able to handle the saints. Everybody that's listening to the show knows I hate the saints with a passion, but I have said from the beginning of the year, and I think I've been dead on. They tried to keep everything the same that they had with Sean Payton, except they don't have Sean Payton anymore. And guess what? That guy was pretty good at his job. And the saints are not a very good team. If you stop Alvin Kamara, you don't have a ton to worry about. I know Chris Olave is very good, but I'm not he's not keeping me up at night, okay? So, the Niners should be able to handle their business against the Saints. I think the spread is 9 and a half. Niners are giving 9 and a half points in that one, Levin. You taking the points? If I had to pay, I hate that type of bet. That's why I don't gamble a whole lot cuz I don't like betting with the point spread. I would probably take the Niners, yeah. I I think that their offense has figured things out and their defense is still stout. And uh, Andy Dalton d- does not scare me whatsoever. No. By the way, you know you can bet the money line, right? You don't have to yeah, bet. Yeah, yeah, I do know. But <laughs> like the points line get, gives you better odds. Of course, yes. So it, it's like you bet the money line. It's eh, the reward's not enough there. But then if you bet the points, Vegas knows what the hell they're doing with the damn points. <laughs> Breaking news from Levin Black. Vegas, good at their jobs. Yeah, that, that's why I don't do a ton of sports betting because it's it's like that. It's like, okay, well, I can, I can bet the money line and win nothing. Or I can <laughs> bet the points and flip a freaking coin. 
Yeah. You, what you really got to do is make a big bet where the odds are like where the yeah. payout is huge and just get lucky, really, is what you got to do. Um, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Before we go, I did want to mention it is Thanksgiving. And I just want to say I'm so, so, so grateful to you, Levin, and everybody here at Niners Nation, all of the hosts. I think this lineup that we have is the best lineup we've ever had. I think that nobody on the planet provides better 49ers coverage to you. And I think that is reflected in the fact that you, the listeners, have come out and supported us this year in an incredible way. We have crushed our downloads from last year. We have more than doubled the downloads from last year already. And we haven't even gotten into December. Uh, And I just want to say I'm thankful for all the team here at Niners Nation and all of you that support us. You're here with us every single day. You're here with us in the instant reaction shows. Everybody in the United States, internationally, we've got a lot of fans too. I'm just so thankful for the support because you people let me do this for a living. Your support is what gives me my dream job, and that will never be a small thing for me. And I just want to say thank you to everybody out there. And Levin, thank you to you and the whole team here. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, if you're out there listening on Thanksgiving, you're welcome, America, for giving you an out <laughs> with your family. So if you're listening to us on Thanksgiving, you're probably trying to get away from the family for a while. Or if you got a long drive, you fire us up yeah. in the car, we're here with you. We're going to keep you company. The whole point was you're welcome, America. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it for this edition of the show, everybody. Enjoy the game this week. Remember, Instant Reaction Podcast afterwards. We will be live on the Niners Nation Twitter YouTube and Facebook page and my Twitch page at stats on fire 11. Will you be joining us for that one? (laughs) We'll have to discuss it. Oh, Oh, no, it's one like, okay. So I'll just lay it out for everybody to listen. If nobody else can, I'll join. If somebody else can, I'm on the road. I'll be down in South Carolina. So it would be one that I'll join. I don't have a problem talking, but if somebody else wants to join, I also don't have a problem bowing out. Look at that. I say all these nice things about Levin and the team. And the first chance he gets, he gives me the, we'll talk about it. That's like when you go, <laughs> that is really bad. You go to your boss. Hey, I'd really deserve a raise. I'm doing X, Y, Z. We'll talk about it. You know what that means? You ain't getting your damn raise. Did you just call me your boss in that analogy? In that specific analogy. Yes. <laughs> and only that analogy. <laughs> All right. But I guess no, we'll that, that is the it. situation. Like, I am happy to join. I will be bringing my mic with us because uh, Wednesday we got to record. But uh, if Vish wants to join or somebody else from the network, I'm happy to bow out. But I'm also uh, a glutton for punishment and happy to talk to you twice in the same week. Mm-hmm. All right. That was not exactly the response I wanted. Ending the show on a downer. That's fine. Typical human oh, wet blanket. Are you sad you might not get to talk to me? Human wet blanket again. Tried to end the no, show on a happy, positive note. Don't, don't change the subject. You can answer that question. <laughs> Enjoy your Thanksgiving, everybody.